welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Every one of us in here tonight got a call on our life. It says few are only chosen. That's because there's only a few standing up and stepping out. I'll guarantee you that Jesus Christ would choose every one of us if we're standing here like this, but we're not. We're setting down. <clears throat> I was living in Orlando, Florida. Went out to a bar room one night, got into a real nasty fight. I was in my 20s. Almost got killed. People went to the hospital. People were shot. People were beat up. It was a bad, bad bar fight. On the way home that night, I said, I'm done living this life. See, if you're here tonight and you have any kind of addiction, I don't care what it is, alcohol, drugs, a sexual addiction, whatever your addiction is, rehabs can help, but you have to say, I'm done. <clears throat> you have to make up your mind and say, I'm finished. On the way home, I said, I'm done living this life. I walked into my house. I told my wife, I said, we're moving. See, if your addiction is really bad like mine was, you got to relocate yourself. If you try doing it in the same town that you live in, you will fail. You will fail. You got to relocate yourself. My wife was all excited because she knew the path that we were going down was the wrong path. So we moved just a few days later, over a thousand miles away. When we got back into my hometown, my wife starts going to church with my mom. I thought things was bad before I moved. And then my wife and my mom becomes best friends and they're going to church together. And I'm still not going to church. Things started getting nasty. Listen, all of a sudden I start getting angry with God. God just stole my woman and she's hot. That's what happened. God took her. She's paying more attention to God than she is the keg. <laughs> For two years, all she did was pester me and nag me to go to church. Now, women in Australia, I heard, don't nag. I heard from men that were scared to death to tell the truth that women in Australia do not ever nag. Is that true? She nagged and nagged and nagged for two years. See, if there's one thing that I can tell you right now, I'm a man and men, we got to put our foot down sometimes. We got to put our foot down and we got to take over. We got to get things back the way they should be. So we just agree. <laughs> We just say, okay, honey, I'll go. They think they took control. 
But see, we really, we used our head on them and we really got control back. So I went to church with my wife. This turned into a long story. I went to church with my wife, sat in the back seat because I didn't want to go up front. You never know if you got to run out of a church real quick. (laughs) The preacher gave an altar call. See, years ago, preachers had a little bit of guts. They had a little bit of, uh, what do you call it, behind them. They weren't afraid to walk right back to you and say, man, what's wrong with you? The power of God is all over you. So I sat back there. He gave an altar call. I couldn't move. He come walking right back the aisle. And he said, what is wrong with you? The power of God is all over you, and you're just sitting here. So I started crying like a baby, gave my life to Jesus Christ, sitting in the back row of that church. Well, see, I look at church like a buffet. You can get as much as you want out of it. Some of you look like you like buffets. When I go to a buffet, I want to eat all I can eat. So the next night, and I can't stand people picking through the food at a buffet. Can you? You can't. I, I mean, there's a whole thing of chicken there. And they're picking around through the chicken. It's like, take the chicken and sit down. So I'm sitting in the front row of this church. Because I wanted all I could get, so I went to the front row. I figured this preacher gives an altar call, I'm going to jump right up there. He gave the altar call, I jumped right up there. This man starts prophesying over me. Now there again, I don't know how you believe, but I'm telling you, prophecy is real. The more he prophesied, the matter I got. Started telling me I'm going to Africa. Started telling me I'm going to be in a war. You know, there's a 48-hour clause. You can beat a preacher up if you just get saved. At least I made it up that day. I figured I'm I'm going to beat the snot out of this preacher after church. So I go outside the church, and I'm waiting, smoking my cigarette, trying to calm down. I don't want to knock him out right away. So I'm waiting on him to come out. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to beat the snot out of this guy. So this preacher comes walking through. You see the preacher up front? Stand up a minute. Stand up and look around at the people. Go ahead. Look around at it. You see that little smile they got? They teach you that in preacher school. This preacher comes through the door. I start cursing him. I start cussing him. And all he did is gave me this little smirk. I can't hit a man when he's smiling. And all he would say when I told him, I am not going to Africa. Don't tell me I'm going to Africa. He just said, we'll see. (laughs) That was June of 1992. In the fall of 1998, I find myself in the middle of Sudan, Africa, with some soldiers trying to rob us. We took the soldiers on. I looked back inside of the car. Who do you think was driving? That same preacher with a smirk on his face. Prophecy is real. All right? You know, I want to speak a little bit here this evening. Is that me doing that or what? I want to speak a little bit here this evening about something that we just can't get right. 
and it's love. I know the last thing you would ever think, the machine gun preacher's coming to our church and he's going to speak about love. You would never think that. But we just can't get the word right. We don't know how much Christ loves us. We don't even know what love is all about. You know, in a lot of states, a lot of countries, the word love turns out to be a sex word, and people don't even want to hear it in the church. People outside of the church don't even see love in our church. You know, let's be for real. Maybe your churches here in Australia aren't like ours in America. But love is not in our churches. We have bickering. We have fighting. We have unforgiveness. You know, I am a one percenter. I've been a one percenter biker for many, many years. You call us bikies. In America, you don't say, are you a bikie? <laughs> Could cause you a problem. <laughs> But I'm a real one percenter. And the churches in a lot of places think that those people are all trouble. That they can give problems. But you know, they think churches are trouble. But you know what I say? I believe that the church can learn something from the one percenters. Loyalty. Loyalty. They have loyalty for their leaders. They have respect for their other brothers that's wearing that same patch on their back. They can go clean across the United States to another clubhouse, like the church, and they welcome them with hugs. Come on. They welcome them with respect. You can't even get the churches nowadays to fellowship with each other because we lost what true love is really all about. I want to read a little bit. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15. <clears throat> I'm going to just uh, read. I'm going to cut some of it off here. I'm going to start chapter 15, verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just, just as I obeyed my father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You know, I don't know there again about this church, but in the churches in America, sometimes you can find the most unhappiest people there is in the church. I don't even ask people anymore when I shake their hand, how you doing? Older people? Don't you talk about old people, you young people up front. See, I'm 51 years old. I can talk about old people now because I'm old. Old people, you'll say, how you doing? And before you know it, you're sick. You walk away limping. Your back's hurting. You got all kinds of problems happening with your body. I'm not going to give glory to the enemy on anything. Okay? It's time we wise up who we're serving, and it's time we start overflowing with joy 
within the church. It's time that we give the people outside of the church a reason for serving Jesus Christ. If I'm going to give all, if I'm going to give it all, I want a reason to do it. I want to see what you got that I want. Do you got a smile? Are you joyful? Are you loving and caring and have mercy? Do you have forgiveness? This is what the people outside are looking for. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I love you. Wow. That's unconditional. You know, I told this story a number of years ago. Every time I would go on to the orphanage in Sudan, Kevin's been with me seven and a half years, the children just come running to me. They just come running to me and they start touching me and hugging me. I mean, all of them from the littlest ones to the oldest ones. And this one little boy always had a snotty nose. And he was always dirty and never had clothes on. You put clothes on him, he's going to take the clothes off. And the snot, I don't know how so much snot got on this kid. Is there any snot-nosed kids up here tonight? I mean, snot would just run down his face, onto his chest. He'd play in the sand. I mean, he just looked awful, dirty. Oh, my Lord. And he would always come running up and want to take his, his hands down my arms and you could feel that snot and that dirt. I'm sorry, I got a little bit of a weak stomach. And every time I'd go to the orphanage, he would do this to me. And the one time he must have been distracted or something, but I'm walking through the orphanage, the children all greeted me and all of a sudden, here comes that snotty kid up behind me. And he grabs my arm and takes his hand down and it's like, oh my God, look at it. And I'm trying to shake this stuff off and I start hollering at this little boy. And God said to me, did I ever do that to you when you came to me with all the filth that you brought? That is a child. And he did not come to you the way you came to me. I started weeping. I started crying. And I picked that little boy up. And I started loving on him. Because I seen how wrong I was. People, I don't even know why I'm taking this message in this direction. But it's time the church wises up. You know, God asked me a number of years ago to carry the message of hope around the world to the nations. And now I'm preaching around the world. And it's a message of hope. But unless the church changes, the people in the church change, we have no hope. It's time we start realizing how much love Jesus Christ has for us. love each other in the same way I love you. 
There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. See, every one of you have been chosen in here. Let me have the praise team come on up. You know, when we start talking about love, we don't realize... what love is all about. You know, when a preacher starts talking about love, we start thinking John John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, or boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does never lose faith. It is always hopeful and, in, in, and endures through every circumstance. <clears throat> this past year, I was preaching in Las Vegas. How many ever been to Las Vegas? They got everything in Las Vegas. Wow. I go to this little church, little street church, supposed to be like 40 people, and they heard I was coming. There were like 340 people there, totally packed out. And I'm sitting in the back of the church, and they're up there, and they're praising the Lord. And all of a sudden, I looked over to the other side of the church, Go ahead, you can start to sing. I look over to the other side of the church, and there's a guy there wearing a dress. He's wearing a mini skirt. And I look over and I'm saying to myself, That's not right, man. That's not right. Why do they let him in here? Come on, I'm the preacher. Okay? Why do they let him in here? Look at him. He's praising the Lord. His hands are lifted up. And he's weeping and crying as they're singing this song. Oh, how he loves us. See, for a moment, I forgot just how much Jesus Christ loves us. A lady started telling me about the praise and worship team before I got in there. Here, the one lady that was playing the piano was dying of AIDS. She was a prostitute. But when she sang this song, the tears would run down her face. The guy that was the praise and worship leader was her boyfriend. 
They sung this song in a way I've never heard it sung before. The two young ladies that were also leading praise and worship, one was in, sold into prostitution by her dad from the age of five years old. She was beaten and raped all her life. The other one was 12 years old. She was gang raped. But when they sang this song, tears run down their face because they knew how much he truly loves them. See, the problem with us, we don't even know what love is all about. See, true love is unconditional. It does not matter what we have done. It does not matter who we was. He has a love and mercy and compassion upon each and every one of us, but we don't realize it. The two guys that were playing guitar and the bass that day were both gay also. After church, soon as church was over, this guy in the dress comes running up to me, puts his arms around me, and starts hugging me, telling me thank you. I'm trying to push him away. I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm known on the internet for a gun dealer, diamond dealer. Now machine gun preacher's gone gay. I'm thinking somebody's gonna get a picture and this is gonna just mess me up bad. So I'm trying to push this guy away. And all of a sudden he says to me, I wanna thank you. In 2009, I bought your book went home and read your book in my living room. Never moved from the living room till I finished the book. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ standing in my living room. But as you can see, I'm not quite right. He said, at the same time I read your book, I was in the middle of a sex change. And I stood in my living room and I lifted my hands up to the air and I said, but God, who would want me now? Who would want me now? And Jesus Christ told me, I want you just the way you are. I want you right now, just the way you are. See, the man was trapped in between a man and a woman. I'm a preacher, and guess what? I didn't want to. For a moment, I forgot how much Jesus loves us. He loves us so much. He doesn't want to leave us the way we came here tonight. He is real without a shadow of a doubt. I know some of you are saying, you got to prove to me. you got to prove to me that he's real. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give an altar call. And if you're here tonight, you have never gave your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to come up to the front. If you need to rededicate your life tonight, I want you to come up to the front. If you've just been dealing with a lot of issues, I want you to come to the front tonight.
but you're saying you got to prove to me that he's real. See, the real Sam Childers, 20 years ago, got a call from God on a mountain in Colorado. The Spirit of God came down beside of me when I was hunting elk. And he said, I want you to go to the nations and carry the message of hope. But see, most of you don't know really who Sam Childers was 20 years ago. See, I looked up in the sky and I said, God, we, we, we got a problem. See, the real Sam Childers 20 years ago stuttered every other word. Stuttered from the time I started talking as a little child, I stuttered every other word. People used to think Sam Childers was me and all he wanted to do was fight. I couldn't argue. I stuttered every other word till I was in my 30s. I said, God, we, we, we got a problem. God said to me, are you willing? Are you willing to go? And I said, yes. See, maybe you're satisfied with the life you're living right now. But in about two minutes, I'm going to give an altar call. Bottom line, are you willing to stand up and come down here for something new, for something different? Are you willing to let God do a miracle in your life? I said, yes. I walked out of the mountain that day down to a camper trailer where my wife was. Walked in and my wife says, oh my God, Sam, what happened to you? She started weeping, she started crying. She said, Sam, are you okay? It was the first time ever that I spoke to my wife and never stuttered a word. People, Jesus Christ is real. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.